Hello, this is Reverend Colette Duval-Pandela. Welcome to our Wolf Wisdom Gathering in Nature's Classroom on Nature's Path. Today I'm joined again by Freedom. Freedom. He's an extraordinary creature. He is our beautiful um, expression of the wild and the wonderful and the loving and the caring and the powerful. And he's here to help me talk today about always coming from the better part of you, which is the name of my talk today. So welcome. Hey, this is Freedom. Freedom. He's going to go play. <laughs> my talk this morning is called The Better Part of You. And the reason that I chose Freedom is that... Um, you know, he's our, um, he was, <laughs> yesterday somebody said he's the showstopper. He's like the shining star and the bright star of our programs. And he just eats it up. It's like the thing that he wants to do the most. <laughs> Take a drink. <laughs> anyway, he is, he's like this wonderful shining light. And those eyes, um, other than Cochise, who has these piercing, those yellow, yellow eyes that just kind of look at you. And um, sometimes people are a little more scared of him than the others because of the brightness of those eyes. And uh, it turns out, you know, he's the friendliest, the most cuddliest. <laughs> and once you meet him, he's just making the rounds in the room, you know. And... Um, He's like our show wolf. He's also our wellness wolf. When we go someplace, when we do our wolf wellness programs with the veterans, and then um, we have kind of a monthly um, uh, rehabilitation center that we go to, and he comes with us. You know, he's, he's the guy. He's the guy. But he's also very, very much of a bully in many ways. Do you know what I mean? On the other side of that. So with people, he shows the better part of himself. With the rest of his pack, he has to be more important than the others. And he kind of pulls his weight and look at him. So would you talk about the... <laughs> of course, he's laying on the floor now. That is, um, please pet my belly. So you're going to have to get down on the ground with him. And yes, there you go. And that arm thing is don't stop. Yes. And there he goes, into heaven, more receptive than anything else. <laughs> and he's also not, not to say that this is a male trait but he's a stubborn guy you know especially with the females and the other males he wants to really push who he is out there in front of us and so I'm describing just about every person that I know also do you know what I mean that we have this light that we shine in certain aspects and then when we get competitive or we get into another arena and we want to push our weight or we get stubborn because we don't want to participate or because we don't want to be pushed into something we want to be able to control the situation you know and the constant choice that we get to do is have this conscious choice to use the better part of ourselves and it is a conscious decision. It's not just something that comes innately to us, <laughs> especially when our buttons are pushed, you know? And um, if you're anything like me, I got tons of buttons, tons of buttons wherever I go. 
And um, it's very frustrating because the first thing I want to do is to say something really terrible that's going to come out of my mouth that I can't take back. And so you're doing this holding process, like especially when you're like really practicing the better part of you, you've got to get through this process first. <laughs> if I'm going to kill him. <laughs> oh, you know. All those thoughts that you have to process through, through your anger, through your frustration, through your traumas, through your sadness, through, you know, things that go wrong that you don't have the money for, you know, trying to process that to get on the phone and address it without a tone that's going to land on the other person that's going to try and help you fix it. How many of those phone calls have you had where it's so, you know, this minimum wage person on the other line just doing their job <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I'm like I apologize for my tone but I'm really mad <laughs> and I know it's not your fault but I need this handled you know and I always add that in because I've been on one of those jobs I've been on the other line do you know what I mean where people are yelling at you and you're just sitting there in your cubicle <laughs> trying to address and give his best customer service that it exists today. So I'm going to talk about that today, the better part of you. It doesn't disappear because you have emotional stuff going on. There's always a time and a place where you can process through and get to that better part of you and use that. Chip St. Clair says this, we must not be afraid to reveal the rainbow buried deep within us to spread our wings and help make the world flourish. So before we do that, I have an opening meditative song for those of you who've been here before. And what I ask is you just let the chair hold you. You don't have to hold on to anything right now. <laughs> you got here, you know, and cross yourself. You don't have to like control anything. Just relax into your chair. Mother Earth has the chair. Do like freedom, look at him. <laughs> on his back, <laughs> letting go of everything. <laughs> Could we all have moments of this kind of experience that in a crowd we could just lay back and open our bellies and our hearts that wide? <laughs> oh, thank you, freedom. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs>
you. <laughs> Here's what I know. I know that we all come from different backgrounds and different spiritual teachings, um, but whatever it is that you believe in, this uh, great mystery, as the Native Americans call it, I call it God, there is an intelligence, a creative force, a power, a magnificence, and this is the creator of all things seen and unseen. And we are made and created out of this magnificence, this stuff, down to the marrow of our bones and into our DNA. And we are unique little snowflakes, unique little fingerprints, each and every single one of us, and that we are here, I believe, with a divine purpose and that your heart's desire will lead you in that direction and will not steer you wrong. It is without judgment. It was without control. It is without an ulterior motive. It is just the pure spirit of who you are, the expressing in you as uniquely as you, as nobody else on the planet can perform and can execute. You are perfect, whole, and complete, and you were born this way, and you were born with a purpose, and you matter, and you belong here. And so I claim for each and every single one of you that you are headed in that direction despite appearances to the contrary. <laughs> that if you are listening to your heart, if you are expressing your talents, if you are using your mind, if you are choosing the better part of yourself every single day to treat yourself and your fellow human beings and the rest of the world and animals and every living thing in a loving, kind way, you are fulfilling your divine destiny. And so I release these words knowing they're held in the hands of grace, that there's truth, there's universal truth to them. And we can all say, and so it is, amen, aho, which the nama, that, uh, namaste, uh, aho, which is what the Native Americans say. Oh, good boy. Oh, God bless. Alexandra Bracken says this, now isn't the time to change yourself to fit into the world. You should be changing the world to accept you, to let you exist as you are without being cut open and damaged. Isn't that sometimes what it feels like when you stand in your own power and stand in your own being and they're like, who do you think you are? And you get that back. Every time you stand up and say, this is who I am, and there's always somebody out there who's go, <laughs> This is kind of what we're up against sometimes. And so you gotta dig in. You gotta dig in. Um, there's a song by Incubus, Incubus called Dig, and Greg is gonna sing it for us. I'm sorry, I just announced which song I wanted you to sing first. <laughs> it's a good thing that you're <laughs> a professional and proficient. <laughs> so you guys welcome to, uh, Greg up. He comes every third Sunday of the month. Woohoo! We all have a weakness that some of ours are easy to identify. Look me in the eye and ask for forgiveness 
We'll make a pact and never speak that word again. Yes, you are my friend. We all have someone that digs at us. At least we dig each other. So when weakness turns my ego up, I know you'll count on me from yesterday. If I turn into another, dig me up from under what is covering the better part of me. Sing this song. Remind me that we'll always have each other when everything else is gone. Oh, we all have a sickness that cleverly attaches and multiplies. No matter how we try, we all have someone that digs at us. At least we dig each other. So when sickness turns my ego up, I know you'll act as a clever medicine. If I turn into another. Dig me up from under what is covering the better part of me. Sing this song. Remind me that we'll always have each other when everything else is gone. turn into another dig me up from under what is covering the better part of me sing this song remind me that we'll always have each other when everything else is gone oh each other when everything else is gone. Thank you. Julianne Smith says this, you can change the world again instead of protecting yourself from it. You know, Antoinette, who um, we work together every single day, um, talking um, obviously about um, the shooting in Florida you know and uh, <coughs> you know the, the the thing for me I know this is gonna uh, the, I'm gonna get my my feelings together here but um, what what we explore or hopefully we explore when we when we have incidents like this happen do you know what I mean that we we want to figure out 
how to prevent it, but not from you know the um, world point of view, but from our own spiritual human nature point of view. The where where did it go wrong, and how can you prevent it? And if we could figure out why those impulses don't get stopped before that all happens. Yeah, right? And then a bullying video came up. I don't know if you guys have saw, seen it because it was, went pretty viral, but a little girl in the classroom, you know, a teenager, probably around the same age, like 11 when junior high or something like that. And uh, someone picked up a chair and actually like just stabbed her with it. And then somebody else taking a video of it. And other people in the room not doing anything. And I, my question is, why is nobody else in the room doing anything? And then I recounted a memory that I had in junior high school. There was this girl, and she was the oddball of the school. Now, we're talking about almost uh, 3,000 students in the high school that I went to in the junior high. This was, happened in junior high, so we're talking about half of that. And she was known as the oddball. And um, I knew her and always felt bad for her, but didn't want to be connected to her because she was, you know, the odd ball out. And I, she always sat in front of me in, in homeroom because of our names. You know, you go in alphabetical order and she was always in front of me. And, um, you know, it was, <laughs> it was in the late 60s, early 70s when the skirts were up to here. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody was dressed like the Beach Boys. <laughs> and she was still dressing like she was in um, the 50s. Her skirts were down to here, you know, so nobody could identify, you know. She was dressing like she was in a parochial school in the 1950s. And so she stood out in a way that nobody wants to stand out. And my memory of this is in the gym locker room. And there was a girl, I was telling Antoinette that it was, she was humiliating this girl to a point where she was trying to climb in her gym locker to get away from her. And there were two classes of people, do you know what I mean, watching, doing nothing, and I was one of them. And it's one of the biggest shames of my life that I never helped her, that I didn't step in to help her. And um, as I'm telling you this, I, you know, I'm feeling what I felt then. Because what I left Antoinette with and, and what I wanted to then look forward to and then kind of work on this talk is why I didn't do anything. Now I was 11 years old. And so I looked it up. I looked up psychologically why people don't <laughs> jump in, you know, and um, some of it's fear, some of it's the idea, everything I just said, no one wants to identify with the victim, they don't want to get hurt, they don't want to get picked on, they want to, you know, whatever it was. But I didn't have any of those conscious thoughts. You know that kind of fear where you, you think you're going to lose your bowels and you're going to pee your pants? That's all I remember. And feeling like I should do something, but I was paralyzed to move. And I remember I had my books. You know what I mean? Closing my heart, closing my chest. The opposite of what you just saw freedom do. And I have always thought of it, you know? And then it kind of like left my memory. And uh, so <laughs> the sound of my voice ever reaches Lois Kaneko, was her name. I'm wholeheartedly sorry 
that I never helped you. So the bottom line is there is a fear, you know, a response to fear. That's the best I can do right now, that the better part of me could not show up that day, you know, because I was paralyzed by my fear and connected only to that. I wasn't conscious that I can't help her because then what will they think of me? I, was ha I wasn't having any thought except that I can't, I can't move. And I'm paralyzed to move. So, you know, the only thing that I can do is do the best I can to be and bring forward the better part of me for the rest of my life in that way, you know? So, um, I'm not so quick to judge why people don't just jump forward, you know, and jump in. Um, but those people who do, it's pretty heroic and pretty incredible and pretty amazing, especially if you're a child jumping in to help somebody. And one of the things that, that I did read was that it said it, in numbers, like if I jumped in and then three other people jumped in, you know, then the bully backs off. So the answer is just what um, Greg's saying about is that we show up for each other, you know? The way to stop bullying is to just step in. Now, not to step in and beat them up, do you know what I mean? But step in and be with the person who's being bullied. Because there's strength in numbers. There's strength in that expression of love. And if we really believe what I really believe is if you shine a light on that hate or whatever it is that is causing that kind of hatred and that kind of physical abuse to another person, that, that's the light that's going to shut that out. Not a good beating. Because that just perpetuates beating is the answer to how you deal with this kind of situation. So it's strength in numbers. And I have another example of, <laughs> I was walking down, when I lived in New York, I was walking down Broadway. And right close to the Flatiron Building is this beautiful, it's called ABC, it's a big, beautiful building that's full of, um, you know, antique rugs and great furniture. And so they want you to stop by and not be able to move because all of the floors are glass. It's like this one big glass building, three stories, four stories high, all glass. And I had just left a movie and I was walking home and I saw this guy and this girl fighting. But mostly was fighting, but he had her by his shoulders and he turned her around and he pushed her against this glass wall. The whole, so hard that the whole wall shook. A glass building wall. That's how hard he shoved her against this wall. And then she just slipped to her knees down, you know, squatted against the wall and he was squatting in front of her. And I went over without thinking, this was not even a conscious effort. And I went over and I put myself in between them and I kneeled down and I said, do you need some help? <laughs> he said, I would never hurt her, I'd love her. And I go, you just did. He goes, no, I love her, I would never hurt her. And she goes, yes. And I, and I took her hand and I went and there were people surrounding me. This big dude, and he goes, I had your back. And I go, I saw you. <laughs> Another girl, couple of girls said, I've already called 911. And I'm like, yay. You know, 
And it turns out she was plastered. She was so drunk, she could barely stand up to take care of herself. And we got her into a cab, and I said, you need to report him. And whether she did or not, she didn't. But that's the example. He had to stop. He had to stop, not because I stepped in, but because we were all there. And even though he didn't move in to do anything, I saw him before I jumped in, and he was ready. So he did have her back, had my back. <laughs> he had all the other women that jumped in and the people who stopped, you know? So not that I did anything extraordinary. This is just taking care of each other, you know? Just taking care of each other. Because all I remember is that glass wall felt like it was going to come down. This is what we're made of. This is really, truly the best part of ourselves. When we show up for each other. If you are among evil people, you must be like the lion gathering strength and awaiting your time. Right now, if you are in a position where you are surrounded by people that are not of your ilk, <laughs> you know, sometimes that's a job that you have no choice of. And sometimes that's a family that you can't get out of, you know? Your identification comes from within you. Your identity is separate from anybody else's identity, and yet we're all in this together. Because your unique self wants what the other unique self wants. And together we can help each other rise to what our divine destiny is and help get to know it. That was Gloria Whelan. When God removes somebody from your life, don't go chasing after them. <laughs> that, that is from somebody unknown, but it's one of the most brilliant things I've ever heard. <laughs> Say, bye-bye. <laughs> Instead of, wait, come back, don't leave. You know, been there, done that more times than I want to admit. Don't leave me. I can't live without you. I need you. What am I going to do? Come, come treat me badly one more time before I get it. <laughs> it's really not funny. <laughs> but see, we're all identifying with each other. <laughs> Neil Shusterman says, I don't know what happened to our consciousness when we, we were unwound. No, 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 it says this. I don't know what happens to our consciousness when we're unwound. I don't even know when that consciousness starts, but I know this. We have a right to our lives. We have a right to choose what happens to our bodies. We deserve a world where both of those things are possible, and it is our job to help make that world. And the better part of you knows that. And unfortunately, like my 11-year-old self, I didn't think I had the power to do it. I didn't think I had it in me to be that significant. Debashis 
Mrita, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing some of these names. Let the power of your love change the world, but never let the problems of this world change the beauty of your love. That's what I was talking about before. One, who doesn't have one problem after another happening in their lives? I'm talking about the kids too. <laughs> How many things go wrong in a day where you go, why can't I just have one smooth time? We're having a plumbing issue, a septic issue right now. I'm like, can my husband have a break, please? Without having to earn more money to do something else that we have to fix. <laughs> <laughs> it takes my joie. <laughs> my joy disappears if I can't use my toilet. <laughs> and it's not like you can just get a plumber. This is a whole septic system. This is not LA. <laughs> This is the mountain in the boonies, and you have to do something totally different. <sighs> My housekeeper says, just get a bucket with some soap and water so you can just go in and dump it. And I'm going, that's brilliant. <laughs> so that I don't have to go outside and go to another building in order to use the toilet. So I can't believe I'm sharing this with you. But you know what? It is. It feels like one thing after another to that level, especially if it's interrupting the flow of your dream, and your wishes, and your wants, you know? And we take it to heart. Even me, I'm your, you know, the spiritual, you know, whatever. It's like, really? <laughs> and I'll spend the whole day. Can you believe what's happening? <laughs> Instead of, okay, this is happening, make the phone call, do the research, and then go on to the next pleasurable thing in your life. You know, all my pleasure is not diminished. I have 10 wolves who love me dearly. And I can spend a week on the septic system not working, which feels better. Hanging out with freedom <laughs> and rubbing his belly or this, it's not a pain, but this weight on my chest is what I feel when I talk about it. Right? That's my choice. It's my choice which uh, area I'm going to put my life and my focus on. What's not working or what is working. I call him a wellness wolf and then I'm not even going to go get well myself. And he's in my backyard. <laughs> there is no greater suffering than constantly measuring yourself and coming up short except perhaps the realization that your suffering is hurting others. But where we do, we learn things. Because really, they're learned. We don't come crying out of the womb because our birth weight or because we have no money in this brand new world. We learn to measure and we learn to attach our self-worth to those measurements. If you can't learn to love yourself for yourself, and how could you with so much paradoxical motivation, then do it for us. Do it for the rest of us. Do it for the world. We need you. We need your mind. We need your attention. We need your thoughts. 
When you establish peace, when you establish love, when you establish kindness here inside of you, you cannot act any other way to the outside world. That is Mimi, icon. It sounds so simple. And then tediousness gets in the way and you forget. You forget who you are. You forget how powerful you are. We forget that we have love and the capacity to love through anything, through anything. Christy Bowman says, human potential is amazing. We have the capacity to create a world that is peaceful, one that spreads kindness and love rather than hatred. If we believe it to be so, it will be our truth, and we will create it. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Susie Kaysen, to really change the world, we have to help people change the way they see things. Global betterment is a mental process, not one that requires huge sums of money or high-level authority. Change has to be psychological. So if you want to see real change, stay persistent in educating humanity on how similar we are than how different we are. Don't only strive to be the change you want to see in the world, but also help all those around you. You see the world through commonalities of the heart so that they would want to change with you. This is how humanity will evolve to become better. This is how you can change the world. The language of the heart is mankind's main common language. And it starts here with me. And when I go to that better place in me, I'm helping change the world. I believe that. You know, I talked a couple of weeks ago that, you know, it's like, good job, Colette. <laughs> I'll just remind you that I was told that your name is your favorite vibration in the world. So now I know that looks a little silly. Good job, Colette. You know, and the more you can say it out loud to your, you know what I mean, rather than to yourself, the higher the vibration. So it sounds silly, but I go to bed at night and go, you did great today, Colette. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and believe me, the, I talked about this when we first learned this, like, wow, this is really weird. <laughs> and yet, if that's true, no, I love my name. I love my name. I'm going to admit it. I am so happy that my name is Colette. You know? Oh. <laughs> I knew every, I didn't know exactly which names I was going to give every single one of my wolves. You know, and I'm, I didn't have children, so I'm sure you painstakingly go over this when you're going to name a child. But, you know, that vibration. His native name is Kayushka, but man, he's freedom. <laughs> That's what he is. That's what he's called. And he resonates to that. I knew who Ojin was going to be as soon as I saw her. I knew who Cochise was going to be as soon as I saw him. 
I recognized Wakan after I chose his name. Before we even got him, I knew who he was. And so that idea is a very, very simple thing for you to lift your spirits and congratulate yourself for doing your best today and use your own name. Bill Kautz says this, a few people of integrity can go a long, long way. Yeah. When you're a person of integrity surrounded by people who will sell out their mothers, you know, and their children and their children's children, that goes a long way, whether you know it or not, whether you can feel it at the time or not, whether you feel discouraged about that or not. Because it's those people who have always changed the world over the, since the beginning of time. And you are one of them. Swami Sachinananda, I really murdered that name. <laughs> Continence is a very important part of yoga. If a handful of people come forward with strong wills, nothing is impossible. One Buddha changed half the globe. One Jesus, three quarters of the world. We all have that capacity. Do you believe that? In my times of discouragement, I don't. I believe it in a universal way. But sometimes I don't live knowing that I know that. Sometimes I don't approach my day knowing that I know that. You know, there's a, a purpose for smudging. We do it here. You guys know the Native American smudging. Because we have an energy field that we can actually protect ourselves with. My energy and your energy, we connect. We also protect ourselves. You know, that shield, that kind of human shield. And they call it auras or whatever you want to call it. But um, the Native Americans use a fan with some smudge, right? And smudge, the white sage, is a purifier. It actually is a dis disinfectant. It will clean the air in the room that you're in in a natural way. That's, those are its properties. So the Native Americans knew this, and they would just take this purifying smoke, and they would clean each other's aura <laughs> from all the stuff. Do you know what I mean? all the sludge, all the effects. And they would put it in their dwellings and they would help each other get rid of anything that landed there that still feels nasty. Right? It's, it's our job to help each other when you see that, you know what I mean, to cleanse each other, clear each other. Now, we were already doing it, and I have a spiritual teacher who said, when, when Paul comes home and we can do it to each other, is to just stand in a room and just take our hands. You could do it with just your hands. And, of course, I knew it was the fan. <laughs> this is our grown sage. And you'll see them in pictures doing just what I'm doing here. It's a beautiful... It's beautiful. And you have control over that. You have control whether or not you can just, like, let it go. 
some of the stuff I've been talking about, I have this pressure right in the middle of my back. And when I taught acting, that's usually holding back anger. These are the muscles that tighten up that you use to keep yourself from swinging. This. Think about it. When you're tight here, what are you angry about? Now, you can punch the air and let it go. It's a very exciting exercise, by the way. You can't hurt the air, and you can't hurt yourself, right? You can go into a room, and you can punch the air as hard as you can. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to start to cry. Because in the stages of grief, what is underlying anger is always a deep level of sadness or despair that gets acted out as rage. And when you know these little things, these little tricks in your body, right? And you can find releases for them. You are responsible for doing that for yourself. Everybody go try it at home. But make sure you're alone so that you can fall to your knees and just cry it out afterwards. Because already that feels really good. <laughs> and I just punched the air like three or four times. But if this is where your back pain is usually, and it's out there, and you go to the chiropractor to fix it, go punch the air for a minute. Release those muscles that are restricting you from going, whoa. Do you know what I mean? Into somebody's body, or face, or wall. <laughs> it's very helpful. Nanette Matthews says, open the window to your heart. Release all the warm, genuine love you hold inside so that it may shine on others and shatter the darkness. We are light. We are light. Is there darkness? Yes. When that light is diminished or shut down or invisible, right? And then you're reactive. Terry Pratchett, there's always a story. It's all stories, really. The sun coming up every day is a story. Everything's got a story in it. Change the story. Change the world. Instead of, what are we going to do about violence? Just don't be violent. Don't be violent. Figure it out. <laughs> I know that sounds simple, but it is the truth. Choose the better part of you, the better place in you. Kelly Elmore, if we change our thoughts from it's too late to there's still hope, we might see some change in the world. Now, you guys know what I do for a living, right? I'm trying to save the wolves in the world, and this administration and the political environment is against them, and they're about to lose their protections, which means they will go out and hunt them and maybe annihilate them. So if I go every day knowing this truth is about to happen and go, we're just screwed, right? If I live in we're just screwed, where do I go every morning? Where can I go and take my heart every morning? 
we're just totally screwed if that's how I start my day. That makes me want to cry. That will take me to my knees. That will keep me in my PJs, right? And if you're prone to addiction, that will take you over into, you know, drug, alcohol, whatever land, obsessive compulsive disorder, bulimia, all of it. If I really believe we're screwed. C.S. Einfeld says, but I do know this. No quest, no matter how easy or hard, is ever accomplished without first the will to see it done. So you have the will, and where there is will, there is a way. The power of intention, the power of a decision, and I know that nobody sitting in this room, including the kids, have never decided something and go for it, and that that intention did not bring something to happen as a result that looks like what you wanted. So first, there's the power of intention. And if you really get it and you go for that, then it's the power of decision. I'm deciding I'm going to go for the intention. If you build it, they will come. But first, you have to see the vision and then know that that is powerful. When Paul and I first got here, everything was rock. There was a lot of dirt and rock. <laughs> there were no flowers. There was no grass. There was nothing. And I understood this principle. And I had been saving, you know those quarters that came out I was say, the, when they first came out with all the states and stuff? And I had this whole collection of, of, <laughs> of quarters. And Paul is very into numerology, and eight is the number of prosperity. So I had all these quarters. And I took pictures of everything that we wanted to create here. And we went with a shovel and we went everywhere on this property and we dug up a hole and we seeded this land with our dream. And we put eight quarters in each hole with a picture of what was going to go here. <laughs> and that was six years ago. <laughs> and look at it now. <laughs> Now, if we didn't hit this property, we were forced to come here, by the way. We were evicted from the city when the puppies were born. They said, bye-bye. You can't live in Los Angeles. It was a very scary time. And we came up here. If we'd have seen this whole place and gone, this is, how are we going to do <laughs> And it felt that way. It felt that way. That was 2010 in the height of the real estate market crisis, when nobody was lending money for anything. Getting here was just a miracle. That Shadow chose the land for us, that she got here and she loved it and we listened because we were six weeks away from being evicted from the city with all of our wolves. We didn't even have time to make it through the escrow except that they gave us that grace period because we went into escrow by choosing this place. But if we had just stayed, how are we going to do it? How are we going to raise them? How, 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 how are we, how are we? You know what I mean? Instead, I knew these principles, you know? So we seeded our dream into the ground. We planted seeds. And it took years to see some of it. But just like putting an acorn in the ground to get an oak tree, do you know what I mean? It starts off underneath the ground, and it grows very slowly if you know an oak. 
and then it's almost impossible to blow them down. <laughs> so be the oak tree. Woodrow Wilson says, you are here in order to enable the world to live more amply, with greater vision, with a finer spirit of hope and achievement. You are here to enrich the world. Moed, you can't make footprints in the sand of time by sitting on your butt. And who wants to leave butt prints in the sand of time? <laughs> That's one of my favorites. <laughs> you know that stubborn streak with freedom? When he doesn't want to do something, what hits the ground first? But I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> Vera Nazarian says, all stories have a curious and even dangerous power. They are manifestations of truth, yours and mine. And the truth is all at once the most wonderful yet terrifying thing in the world, which makes it nearly impossible to handle. It is such a great responsibility that it's best not to tell a story at all unless you know you can do it right. You must be very careful or without knowing you can change the world. So how do you make the best decision? Do you know what I mean? What is your vision? How then do you make the best intention if you're not coming from a place of love? And if you don't remember that along the way, then how are you going to feel proud of your accomplishments? very difficult because it's really a lot of hard work and takes a lot of courage takes a lot of money to create a dream and you can't look backwards and go this was a waste of time because just your mere presence sitting here is changing the world you get the choice of how it's going to affect the world though Perhaps we should carve a world one day where the strength lies in who you are rather than what they expect you to be. I talk about that all the time. I lived most of my life, 32 years, I believe, trying to be what they expected me to be. And thank God I got a second chance at the second half. Because I didn't know these principles. But I had people who helped me, do you know what I mean? Knew those universal truths and talked to me. And I listened and I studied and I graduated. <laughs> and I'm still working on mastering life in this way. And I will be till I go. Agam Shah says, if you know me based on who I was a year ago, then you don't know me at all. After an event in your life that changes your very being, you don't know me from yesterday. Because believe me, you will be brand new. Brand new. 
My growth game is strong. Allow me to reintroduce myself. That's what you have to do almost every single day to even the people you know, the people you're married to. <laughs> this changed inside of me, Paul. I need to tell you who I am today, you know? And hopefully you have a mate who will go, wow, I see the difference. You know, we need to share ourselves constantly with each other. William Shakespeare, how far that little candle throws its beams, so shines a good deed in a weary world. We need your heart. We need it for hope. We needed to get to the next step. We need each other. Orion Mountain Dreamer says this, it doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for. And if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing, it doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you will risk looking like a fool for love, for your dream, for the adventure of being alive. That's what I want to know. That inspires me. That helps me with my intention, with my choice. That helps me to know I'm not alone doing this. Rochelle E. Goodris, this is a poem. One smile has the power, one smile, by the way, has the power to calm fears, soften stone walls, warm a cold heart, invite a new friend, mimic a loving hug, beautify the bearer, lighten heavy loads, promote good deeds, brighten a gloomy day, comfort a grieving spirit, offer hope to the forlorn, send a message of caring, lift the downtrodden soul, patch up invisible wounds, weaken the hold of misery, act as a medicine for suffering, attract the companionship of angels, fulfill the human need for recognition. Who knew that the changing of the world would prove so simple? All we need to do is smile at somebody, change their whole world. You don't know what they're going through. Maybe that's all they needed to take on the rest of their lives in that moment, in that day. Because you saw them. Just because you saw them and recognized them and smiled at them and let them know they were seen. That is easy. You wanna change the world, smile more. <laughs> Serge Tankian says this, I think music has the ability to inspire people and to change hearts. And the heart has the power to change the mind and the mind has the power to change the world. <laughs> so I'm inviting Greg back up. He's gonna sing an incubus song called Stellar for us. <sighs> Bring on the music. Thank you.
Twitter space We could spend the night Watch the earth come up I've grown tired of that place Won't you come with me? We could start again says, ignite the fire of loving kindness in your soul. Fuel that fire with understanding and compassion for others and start a bonfire of love worldwide. Think of that, a bonfire in the world. You know, we attract a lot of people here who want to come see the wolves and Paul's um, uh, actually a friend that he does business with. Um, He has a a family member, a seven-year-old who has a uh, a glioma that has caused her blindness. And she wanted to come meet the wolves. And so she was here yesterday with our tour. And we sat her up on this little <laughs> on the thing. And Chinoa, who is our babysitter, came up to her and she just smelled her cheek. Do you know what I mean? She's not a kisser, 
She's like, the nose touched her cheek and the giggles coming out of this little girl were just amazing. And she just kept calling the whole time, but you're just like, Chinoa, Chinoa. <laughs> and so she experienced this visceral thing, this amazing thing. And we talked afterwards to her mom and, and um, she wants us to see if we can bring the, wo the wolves to, where is it, Paul? The city? Children's Hospital, City of Hope. And um, we would take Chinoa and Freedom, of course, <laughs> to do this, to do this. You know, she just smiled the rest of the time, just beaming. I have no idea. You know, I can't even possibly begin to imagine what she experienced, you know, feeling this instead of seeing this. You know, and what a gift, you know, these guys are to whatever and whoever needs. And so we're hoping that we can take this wellness, do you know what I mean, these experiences to give that kind of joy out there to these kids. You know, talk about we're screwed, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know? So anyway, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate um, all the faces the new faces, <laughs> the familiar faces. Um, I really appreciate your, um, the gift you give me to share whatever my truth is and that if it helps you, I'm, I know that's my mission, you know? And if it helps you remember who you are, which I know is my mission statement for nature's path, for wolf wisdom, is that if you can remember who you are, then you walk in your own light and there is nothing else that anybody needs on the planet, including you. <laughs> and so that's my job here. And I learned it from them. They walk on the planet without judgment, without worrying about what they look like. You know, they don't care about social status except within their pack. And that's about survival and not about anything else, you know, that's outside this world. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you like what you heard and you think it is of benefit to you and with others, please share this podcast with your friends and your family. Also like us on Facebook at Wolf Wisdom Gathering and Shadowland Foundation. Um, you can also check out our website at shadowlandfoundation.org and um, we appreciate any donation that you would like to share with us. They are all tax deductible. So please help us. That would be great. Have a blessed, blessed week. And we'll talk then.